You're listening to the Energy Policy Podcast, a production of the Center for the New Energy Economy at Colorado State University. I'm your host, Tom Plant. And I'm your co-host, Jeff Lane. And we're uh, starting a three-part series now on uh, transportation policy, really focusing in on electric vehicles. Uh, this time, we're doing, we want to talk a little bit about electric vehicle charging infrastructure. We did have a, a conversation with Will Tour from the Southwest Energy Efficiency Project earlier about the VW settlement, which certainly has a lot to do with charging infrastructure and electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. But um, we want to focus in uh, on, a, on a few different things around transportation policy. Um, first of all, utilities and their interest in expanding transportation, uh, electric vehicle charging infrastructure, and what some states can do around that. We want to talk a little bit in another podcast about the zero emission vehicle or ZEV mandate that California has that states are allowed to opt into. And then we also want to talk about just revenues for uh, highway uh, maintenance and, and construction, which is generally funded out of a gas tax, but we're seeing a real changing dynamic with gas tax revenue. So we're going to talk about that a little bit in the third uh, of the podcast series. But first of all, let's talk about electric vehicle charging infrastructure and, and uh, utilities. Before we do that, um, we, uh, people are maybe familiar with the federal uh, tax incentive, $7,500 for electric vehicles. Uh, one of the things we were talking about, Jeff, was you know sort of how that goes away. What what's that based on? And we found that it's based on the number of vehicles per manufacturer. So when a vehicle manufacturer achieves 200,000 vehicles uh, sold, electric vehicles sold, then they start to see a decline in the federal tax that's available to them. Yeah, right. Uh, so there, just just some quick numbers. There are half a million. Um, EVs driving around on the roads in America today. Uh, that's um, that's about half of uh, President Obama's uh, goal of a million vehicles, right. uh, but nonetheless, a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, Chevy, uh, the Chevy Volt, uh, Chevy and Nissan, the Nissan Leaf, both surpassed 100,000 vehicles sold in 2016. Um, this, so they're halfway to that to that. Yeah, uh, I think they're a little point. better than halfway. Yeah. And I think you're right to point out that the federal tax credit is an important component of talking about electrifying the transportation sector because it certainly has been a strong financial motivator for the consumer to, to adopt and buy electric vehicles. Um, there's, of course, a, a phase-out period right after the manufacturer, Chevy, uh, Nissan, Tesla, uh, sell in aggregate 200,000 vehicles across any number of models and that begins to phase out and so so they phase out to they have a they have a few months where they can still take that $100,000 or 100% of the credit the the $7,500 credit then it drops to 50% drops to 25% and then it's gone completely right right and so uh, so that will have i think ramifications on on adoption but of course uh, the cost of batteries uh, which are a third of the cost of the vehicles are also coming down right so they're I think they're in the five hundred dollars per 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 kilowatt hour um, cost to the manufacturer to development to to develop them and so so that is declining Uh, interesting Bloomberg new energy finance uh, did did an analysis that looked at the impact on on global oil markets uh, and they're uh, calling the 2020s the, the era of the EV. 
and that by 2022-2023 enough electric vehicles will be on the roads in America to actually offset what they're calling is uh, on the order of two million barrels per day. Which could could create a sort of an oil glut and drive the price of of, uh, oil down. Yeah, so so there are a lot of things at play here. Not to mention, I think, and we've talked about this this point uh, on prior podcasts, but in 2016, uh, for the first time since 1979, um, emissions from mobile sources, uh, CO2 emissions from mobile sources, cars, um, has surpassed emissions from point sources, power plants. And that's significant in our and that's in our part of a and that's part of an ongoing trend where we've had these two lines right in our electric uh, power sector is decarbonizing and the emissions are declining uh, at the same time that our transmission emissions are increasing our transportation emissions are increasing and they they finally crossed and you know it's kind of in in some ways a little bit counterintuitive that our transportation uh, emissions are increasing because we are seeing more efficient vehicles we are seeing more electric vehicles on the road where it seems like we should be reducing emissions but we're also you know a growing we're driving society more. we're driving more we own more cars we own more cars so uh, overall those uh, those emissions are going up so it makes sense for the transportation sector to sort of hitch its wagon to the electric power sector in terms of declining emissions. Yeah, I, and, I, and even more than that, I think there might be kind of a, in ecology or bio- biology, they use the term symbiotic relationship here, right? You know, the, the transportation sector is increasing its carbon emissions, and increasingly uh, carbon emissions are seen as a, as, as a, as a risky asset. Um, and meanwhile, the, the electricity generation sector is declining in emissions. Uh, and on the electricity generation sector, uh, load is declining. Electricity load is generally declining. Which has a, a real impact on sort of the financial viability of the electric utility industries. Right. So, uh, you know, these utilities that were sort of their, their business models were crafted around a, a steadily increasing load year over year are now seeing their loads flatten or decline, and that's starting to have real financial implications on those utilities. So uh, as, you're, as you're saying, you tie that to a, a new load source. Exactly, and yeah. And, and so it may be that the utility industry uh, uh, sees electric vehicles as a new load source to, to match or to offset uh, declining electricity demand. Uh, that's been that's been happening for a number of years. So you can you can uh, you can add load to utilities that are seeing a, a load decline. But one of the other characteristics of electric vehicles, which is really attractive, I think, to utilities, is that it's a load that they have a little bit of flexibility in managing. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, particularly if you think about you know the three places that people charge their vehicles are at home, in the workplace, and then at public hotspots. So you go to the grocery store, you go to the gym, or you know out in the public. The the the, the one at home, you know, nobody needs their car, or most people don't need their car in the middle of the night. They they you know come home from work, they plug in their car, they you know are in their house for most of the night, and they go to bed. They wake up in the morning, they want their car charged. So there's a, a window right. there of time, right. 10, 10 hours or so, where you know we don't care if it's charging now or if it's charging later. We just want it fully charged in the morning. Well, that gives the utility a great deal of flexibility, particularly if you're using a charger 
that is able to get a vehicle completely charged in two or three or four hours. And that, that gives you a little bit more of a window. So you might want to talk about what the different charging uh, types are. Sure, yeah, I think what I think what you were describing there was, was level one charging, and that's <coughs> nothing more complicated than a, than, a, uh, than, a, than a wall outlet. And I think what you were describing was that, uh, that utilities that have the ability to transmit a signal can, could shed some of that load um, um, and actually, if they wanted to. Actually, you know, it makes a lot more sense with level two charging mm -hmm. uh, because most of your electric vehicles, it's going to take you 10 to 14 hours maybe on a level one charger, which is pretty much all night. <laughs> but if you have a level two charger, you can compress that charging time down to maybe two to four hours. Right. And that gives the utility some flexibility where, okay, we don't want to have it charging right now because we need to load somewhere else. And then as that load goes down, they pull that car back up and, and that car starts to charge. As long as it's fully charged in the morning, again, you know, the owner doesn't care. And then level three? Level three is really more for those public hotspot sort of applications or along highways, right? When somebody's uh, you know, needs to get a quick charge. Those right. are those are your really high amperage um, uh, DC fast chargers. And those can generally charge from zero to eighty percent in about thirty minutes. And you know, certainly most people aren't at zero when they go to one of these. So you know you might pull in and just charge up for fifteen minutes, get enough charge to get to wherever you need to go. Um, so those are sort of more for people that are on the move, picking somebody up at the airport. Uh, running into the you know the the grocery store just to pick up a couple of things that kind of application right right well I think I think you're pointing out an important point where the utility regulatory world and I think we, we let's shift the conversation to that and talk about how the regulated utility environment public utilities commissions and utilities themselves are reacting to this new to this change in the market you know the the National Renewable Energy Laboratory did a great report an assessment for the California Energy Commission, Tom. Uh, California Statewide Plug-in Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Assessment is called, in which they broke up the state into various regions and looked at, say, in regions in Southern California, where are existing charging stations, level two, level three, what is the need for those various levels geographically, and really highlighted this, this important point about where they are is is really quite important, maybe as important as the level of, of financial investment and, and ownership. So the location is really, really key. And I think it's, you know, regulation, utility regulation is, is so much based on precedent. And it's worth taking a step back and looking not too far back, frankly, to 2011, when in California, the California Public Utilities Commission uh, put in place a really high bar for the utilities to, to demonstrate need. They said that the utilities would need to re require, would be required to demonstrate a market failure or an underserved market for investing in EV infrastructure. And essentially that threw cold water on utilities investing in this area. <clears throat> in 2015, they changed that decision, the California Public Utilities Commission, and instead said that they would put in place a, um, a balancing test and evaluate on a case-by-case -case basis the benefit to the ratepayers against uh, utility competition uh, for charging. And that really, that utility competition was the basis for the 2011 decision. 
in which the commission really said, utilities, you have an unfair competitive advantage in deciding uh, where and how to invest in charging because you control and own the grid. And therefore, we want to allow the marketplace, the private sector, to see if it will uh, flourish here. And so the changing of that test, that balancing test, uh, in a series of dockets, you know, just announced uh, here, uh, here in January 2017, late January, that the California utilities collectively want to spend a billion dollars, with a B, uh, over the next five years between PG&E, Southern California Edison and San Diego Gas and Electric on EV charging. So is it, that's just another example of how quickly public policy evolves and the market has evolved from essentially very little to nothing but pilots in 2011 in California to now a billion dollar commitment over the next five years in 2017. Yeah, recognizing the benefit to the utilities, the benefit to the ratepayers, as you were mentioning, you know, this ability to balance load, the ability to uh, manage load uh, much more dynamically on the utility perspective is a benefit to all of the ratepayers, not just right. uh, people who have an electric vehicle. And so I think that we're what we're seeing from California is a recognition and acknowledgement that this actually uh, has system benefits across across the board, uh, both on an operational standpoint, but also from an environmental standpoint. And we saw, you know, similarly, we saw some uh, legislation in Washington state, right? Yeah, there was a bill in, in Washington in 2015 that Governor Inslee signed that, um, to cut right to it, allowed the Washington Utilities and Transportation Commission, which is the, the PUC in Washington state, to grant utilities there um, as up to or as much as 2% increase on their, their regulated rate of return for EV charging. So if they were earning 9% on, on other investments, uh, transmission line, for example, uh, they could now earn up to 11% uh, to invest in EV charging. And, and, making and it that's much, significant. Making it more profitable, right? Exactly. You know, so that they actually, w their investors will want to invest in expanding this, uh, this infrastructure. Um, and, and I think that's had an impact on on the, the policy diffusion and utility plans in both Washington State and in Oregon, and Oregon's doing a fair amount in terms of piloting, but also requiring utilities to factor in EVs into their resource plans, into their integrated resource plans, which is uh, their, their overall fleet plans for their power plants, and really factoring that into to load growth and load changes. Um, there are also some more sort of fundamental questions, I guess I would say, bouncing to the other coast of the country. Uh, New Hampshire in 2016 uh, had a docket open, a rulemaking, to investigate whether the sale of electricity through an EV charging station should be regulated. So whether or not the company that owns that charging infrastructure should be regulated as a public utility because they're essentially selling electricity to a customer. Exactly. And, you know, that's a fascinating question, I think. Uh, but what the staff recommended, uh, the staff of the New Hampshire Commission recommended, is that, uh, that these stations were not reselling electricity. They were instead providing a charging service that does not fall within the scope of a public utility. And so uh, that may seem like not a big deal, you know, to folks listening. If you're or, trying to sell... If you're trying to sell charging infrastructure, the last thing you want to do is have to go through a whole public utilities process every time you want exactly. to sell, a, sell you know, a charging unit. 
Um, and in Colorado, of course, a couple of years ago, the legislature just passed legislation that said uh, that that wasn't going to be uh, yeah, treated removing as Yeah, removing that, as a, taking that off the table. That's right. One of the other things that we've talked about in the past, which certainly falls into this whole uh, you know, sort of ecosystem of policies around charging infrastructure, is rate design mm-hmm. and things like time of use rates. Uh, and utilities commissions are, are now increasingly looking at time of use rates. And certainly this has a big impact on electric vehicle uh, deployment because you're going to, as we've discussed, be charging at night. Um, and if you've got much lower rates at night, you know, that even increases the financial benefit of, you know, using an electric vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for the, for the average household, just to, to think maybe in, in some round numbers, <laughs> You know, owning an electric vehicle, like for me, owning a a Chevy Volt uh, has effectively doubled, if not a little bit better than doubled, uh, my entire electricity usage. So so it's a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. When you think about um, uh, when a consumer buys an electric vehicle, they're their usage profile shifts significantly. Mm-hmm. They're they're going off of gasoline or less gasoline and to electric, and so that has an implication on uh, sales and of course in rate design and, and time of use rates are are kind of the the, the poster child right here in, in terms of 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 higher adoption of, of electric vehicles, but also some more innovative things like. Uh, remote billing, you know, swiping a card or entering an account number to charge to your home utility account uh, when you're not at home, you know, a whole host of things that could come out of that, uh, that I think uh, we're still in the, it's it's exciting because it's still very much in the, in the early stages of, of EV deployment. But, but all these things are various different touch points, rate design, utility ownership, um, return, on investment. return on investment. Is this is this a regulated utility? I kind of see them as these various touch points on the on the Velcro coming together of the transportation sector and and the utility sector. Right. And you know, one of the other things that that we've talked about in the past is that the public utilities commissions really derive, in most cases, derive their authority and you know their responsibilities from the state legislature. So right. state policy directs the utilities to achieve a certain, certain objectives. And uh, some states may want to consider expanding that authority. Uh, be, you know, we've talked about some of the electric uh, infrastructure benefits of, of EVs, and certainly that's one of the things that utility commissions around the country may be looking at within their existing authority. But a state might be interested in uh, telling the Public Utilities Commission, we want you to actively be expanding the capability for electric vehicles to operate in our state, uh, not just for how it benefits the existing system, but how it's going to overall benefit our environment that we're trying to create here in the state. So uh, that's another, yet mm-hmm. another sort of policy push. So uh, that's our first Uh, of a three-part series here on transportation, talking about the exciting world of utilities and electric vehicle charging infrastructure. You've been listening to the Energy Policy Podcast, a production of the Center for the New Energy Economy at Colorado State University. I'm your host, Tom Plant. And I'm your co-host, Jeff Link. Thanks a lot for listening.